You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 438, it's the big quiz. Of course it is. Look out, it's the Lawrence Fox pylon. And do we want our pop stars to be just like us? That's all coming up right after The Temptations. And get ready. middle of a little run of Motown bangers to kick off the podcast and this of course is one of the most successful groups in Tamla Motown history from the spring of 1966 number four on the Billboard Hot 100 The Temptations and Get Ready. Your finest work yet in this brief series may I just comment that was excellent I enjoyed that enormously. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 438. I'm Terence Dackham. And now let's find out what's going on. Recently, she was seen hobnobbing with high profile people in Broadcasting House. Then this week, Tony Hall, the Director General of the BBC, resigns. The question, therefore, is obvious. Are you about to become the new Director General of the BBC, Juliet Harris? Well, it is It is obviously a great pleasure to be considered, principally by you, but still to be considered. That is very pleasant. However, I am keen on the idea of, um, they've joked about it in terms of the controller of Radio 4 job before. I'd like to see Fee Glover and, uh, and Jane Garvey from the Fortunately Podcast trying to apply for it as a job share. I would welcome that no end. Hello. 
That would be an, an excellent choice, I have It to would, say. I feel. Now, it's time for our opening feature, which has become so popular that <laughs> NASA is sending it into space so other planets can enjoy it. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the first track, I presume, being Another Girl, Another Planet. Oh, my word. Um, it's, 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 <laughs> yes, very good. Um, it's the big quiz in which mm. I, I invite you, the listener, and you, the Juliet Harris, to be so Hello. for the listener. <laughs> Joy. Yes, me. Hi. Yes, that, that woke me up. That's me. This I'm in this bit. I better hurry oh, up. Yeah. yeah. What you have to do, I do, do is identify five items on a theme based mm. on five short musical snippets. And Why this not? week, the theme is colours. Mm. Um, I need five colours um, for five points, and five bonus points are available if the artists are identified. So, five colours. In 30 seconds. How does it feel to treat me like you do? Look at the stars, look how they shine for you. It's a nice day to start again. My oh, nearly gave it away there. Um, it's like he was in the room, yeah. <laughs> now, um, Juliet Lucy Harris, on behalf of the listeners, um, let's see how you're going to do. We're aiming for 10 points total, but we're looking for <laughs> five, uh, five what's colours. My what's my goal score this week? Because you very magnanimously gave me nine last week. Well, I'm going to reduce it a bit further because I think at least one of those, possibly two, again, could be outside your comfort zone. So I'll give you six or seven with seven Ooh, it will be your, will be a winner okay, okay well let's see how we get on so the first one very much in my comfort zone yes. it's uh, we recently had it early this week allegedly although oh, equally yeah. there is no clinical evidence for this and it's just made up by sky's travel department i think anyway <laughs> blue monday a new order it's a nice easy uh, one to start yes, with I thank you for the softball at the beginning secondly uh, filmed on a rainy beach we had um, yes. chris martin uh, singing yellow by coldplay Yes, indeed. I remember that video so well. Um, yes, right. So that's well, you're doing very well. That's that's so we've got uh, four of our targets so far. Um, it, it is a nice day for it. Allegedly, the next one we've got a Billy Idol and his white wedding. Six. So now I think it's moving a little bit outside your comfort Ooh. zone now, but we'll see. It's the Jimi Hendrix oh, experience, yes, and I believe it's their Purple Haze. That's, you've already got eight. You've, you've, nice. you've won the quiz. Let's see. And the last one, um, oh, we, 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 it almost was like we had him in the room. We, we, <laughs> didn't, we had Tell the Man, who I very much prefer to Van the Man. I must admit, I've always been a bit Van-nostic. Um, this is Van Morrison and his brown-eyed girl. Ten out of ten, Juliet. I did it for the listeners, obviously. So uh, every, those at home, blue, yellow, white, purple, brown, New Order, Coldplay, Billy Idol, Jimmy Hendrix, Van Morrison. Wonderful selection, if I might, if I might congratulate you. I like all of those songs very much. Well, I, do you know what? I like Coldplay, but I really love that first album, Parachutes. Yes. 
that that is a lovely record i, I love it in I, the autumn um of when it came out autumn of 2000 i think it was another woman um the one from yorkshire had decided she couldn't put up with me any further well, common experience well, the is, is all theirs terence they're all they're all can't they're all misguided yours. all of them are serious can't be really you know i mean I, i'd like to think that but <laughs> honestly the reality is somewhat different well I, i'm gonna stick with this i believe in you terence well i was a bit sad but and but this may sound peculiar although it may resonate to some of our listeners maybe you i'm not sure i almost enjoyed the melancholy um you see with my agreement um she took she brought some furniture with her which unfortunately included a, a, a three-piece suite so she took that with her oh, and dear, right. so i sat on the floor of the sitting room in the autumn of 2000 listening to cold place parachutes and i, I felt like one of the romantic poets the, the room sort of lit by candlelight and i oh. looked out the window at the autumn skies i, I like that yeah i enjoyed the wistfulness of it all but you did it with great style so mm. i so i admire that very much weirdly coldplay also remind me of being a bit melancholy and not having much furniture curiously <laughs> as ever we beat as one i this is so odd but this is genuinely true um in the summer of 2000 lamac i remember on the evening session was playing yellow which was the sort of the, the leads one of the lead singles from parachutes my friend had been to see them at glastonbury in the summer mm. when they were still playing on the other stage they weren't the kind of headlining behemoths that, that they that they are nowadays but she'd seen them on the other stage and enjoyed chris martin telling the crowd all oh, see us this year before we're bon jovi bon jovi styly massive next year was his exact words which turned out to be true um also they did a cover of you only look twice as uh, you only live twice as well which is very very unusual but anyway um i remember really liking that and the summer of 2000s was strange for me because i had done my gcses and I found it really odd. It was my first period of, I'm not sure if you could call it depression, but it was my mm. first period of a flatness after a time of great intensity and adrenaline. And I found it really strange. I found it really difficult to deal with. I remember um, BBC Two were repeating This Life and I would I would stay up very late to watch it. And I, I, I remember keeping very strange hours. I tried and failed to get a job because I was too young to be truly exploited by the, uh, by the <laughs> workforce. So, um, so I remember uh, at the same time we were having lots of redecoration taking place in our house including having all of the carpets taken up and I remember sitting on my floor in my bedroom with no carpet um feeling and, and actually I think my bed was being replaced as well so there was very little in that mm. room I remember I remember sitting on the floor listening to Yellow by Coldplay thinking this is really good I really like this and it was cheering me up even though we had no furniture and I was feeling a bit flat generally mm. so yes hooray for that first Coldplay and I've stuck with Coldplay much like um radio head who i know you're less keen on but but they're mm. they're bands who mm. whatever they and, and like pj hobb as well whatever they seem to do i just seem to really like they've mm. never really done anything that i've thought maybe ghost stories in in coldplay's case but but they've never really done a record that i've thought of bit has been without merit and and certainly i think coldplay some of their later stuff some of the day glow kind of dancey pop they've done i've really enjoyed you know you got 10 out of 10 in the quiz yeah I'm, I'm upping that to 11 out of 10 for your use of the word behemoth i enjoyed oh, that so very much I'm, I'm delighted what can i say it's it's nice to be round here and to uh i you know i i, I feel inspired and elevated by by being on this podcast with you thank you very much Coming next, the tribulations of Lawrence Fox. And I love that. What's done? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's next after this splendid track um, chosen by Juliet that has wonderful influences from, gosh, Roxy Music through to the Beach Boys. It's James Wrighton. When I first started listening to this record on the radio, I was expecting it to be Killer Queen or something like that. <laughs> kind of chuggy organ sound at the beginning. Um, I really like this and I particularly like it because of how unexpected it is really from this artist. So it's, it's called The Performer and it's a track by James Wrighton. And his previous carnation was as one of the Claxons, um, who listeners might remember this sort of 
they they were brief proponents of of what was the rather doomed subgenre by the enemy of being new rave spelled n u r a v e which itself is vexing isn't it let's face it but um but yeah the claxons won the mercury music prize with their record near miss of the uh, um, was it miss of the near future i think that's what it was called mm-hmm. or near myths of the future i can never remember which way that round goes but anyway or even which way that that goes round but still um so so they uh, how ironic what the most ironic spoonerism ever there i feel but anyway how apt um they um they 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 uh, they they, they 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 won that and they always had sort of dancey leanings they were quite famous for a cover of it's it's not over yet um and he's made this really lovely record that's really kind of like you say influences all over the kind of classic rock spectrum um beautifully sung a really kind of interesting and, and yearning melody i think that's fantastic that record I was thinking that uh, the, the saxophone reminded me of um, Roxy Music, so I checked. Yeah, at, definitely, there is that. Yeah, and I checked it out, and the saxophonist is uh, Georgia Chalmers, and she's right. from Brian Ferry's band. So, sense doesn't mm, really no perfect track. sense. As we record this in the second half of January, uh, January 2020. Hello, people in the future. Yes, um, miss of the near future. Yes, hello. Mm. The actor uh, Lawrence Fox from the famous acting dynasty of foxes, uh, rather than the foxes that go through your bins in the night, um, mm. it's the acting foxes. Um, the, the news. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that clarification, which I feel, had you not mentioned, lots of people would have struggled with. <laughs> He's been in the news, Lawrence Fox, following an appearance on the BBC television show Question Time, mm-hmm. and then in subsequent interviews in which he's rejected claims of racism against Meghan Markle and hit back by saying it's racist to call him a white privileged male and he said England is the most tolerant country in Europe I can't help what I am I was born like this it's an immutable characteristic now of course this has further ignited the debate about being woke Mm -hmm. being more sensitive about key issues such as equality misogyny and racism well, now, how do we act, react to Lawrence Fox's views? A committee from Equity, the Actors Union, has mm. called for actors and theatrical people to unequivocally denounce Fox for his disgraceful playing to the gallery and called him a disgrace to our industry. Now, there's a part of all this that really troubles me. If someone, Lawrence Fox or anyone, says something and he's perfectly entitled to his point of view, some leftish leaning people will immediately want to close the speaker or the writer's thoughts or beliefs down. It's as if only leftward leaning liberal views are acceptable. This is dangerous, Jules. I may not agree with Lawrence Fox. Indeed, I don't. But I defend his right to say what he wants. Well, I am glad you don't agree with Lawrence Fox. I find that I find that reassuring. Thank you for not agreeing with Lawrence Fox. When you say uh, Lawrence Fox and not the type of fox that goes through your bit through your bins, um, I'm not convinced about Lawrence Fox that he wouldn't. He doesn't seem to be having a great time. And um, that's rather that's a rather sort of slightly uh, slightly bleak way of saying. I think there's something quite interesting and, and alarming going on here. I agree with you that equity. You know, actors in being tedious shocker and equity 
equity, I think. And they, they, I agree with you that this kind of trial by wokeness can occasionally be vexing. I think we've talked about kind of the difficulties of wokeness previously. I'm inclined to be a little bit more towards wokeness than you are because I'm part of the woke generation, I suppose. <laughs> and also those are my... I'm, I, yes, I'm in the wider woke club. That's me. Yes, I'm I'm slightly leaning. There is a Twitter account called Wider Woke Club, by the way, so I can't quite claim credit for that excellent bomb mo. But um, when I I didn't watch all of Question Time because I my uh, my friend refers to it as Agro Time nowadays, and I I I do I I feel that it has gone past its original remit of being quite a serious and sensible and enlightening discussion, and is now just an excuse for a row and an, and a increasingly desperate attempt to to grab headlines uh, there was some quotes bandied around by the person that took over as producer about three years ago who said oh get ready for fireworks on thursday nights and i don't feel that's what question time should ever have been about so i am you know i'm a little bit sort of weary by getting these kind of renter gobs on here what i find so interesting about this Lawrence fox thing is that he doesn't, uh, you know, this is difficult because I don't know him and I don't know him personally. I don't want to make the mistake that people do of thinking that they know famous people. But my whole impression that I got from reports and, and things he has said about his his fairly recent divorce, his apparent lack of any acting work in the last three or four years, um, his attempts to uh, start a music career, which don't appear to have been that successful. And I think we might be discussing that slightly later on. Um and my general impression was that he was someone who might not be in that happier place in his life. But figures like Jordan Peterson, for example, mm. I don't know if, if Lawrence Fox specifically referenced him, but they he is the sort of burgeoning head of the so-called men's rights movement um, that starts off trying to kind of present itself as a sort of, a, oh, men's mental health is not, it's not you know, thought of well enough, which I agree, actually, that, you know, and stuff like the campaign against living miserably does really good work. There is a kind of masculinity aspect to this as well, I think. They might not be having a great time. I worry that those people are quite vulnerable and that they start off watching videos about one thing and then start to move towards something else. Now, I now I understand that permissive kind of wokeness and this sort of constant policing can, can uh, of people's views, can have exactly the negative, the, the, the opposite effect and can be negative and can be exhausting and wearing and, and, and bring sympathy down. But... Aside from, you know, whether or not Lawrence Fox might have sort of views that are anti-wokeness that might not politically be my bag, I think there's something else going on. There's potentially something else going on around the sur- under the surface here. And it worries me. I think the practice, though, of denouncing people, um, mm. you know, this word denouncing people for their beliefs, that's, that's I find that very worrying. We had this in... Um... Uh, post-war, post-Second World War America with Senator Joseph McCarthy leading yeah. so-called investigations into mm. people with liberal views, sort of the other way, you know, the other way round, as it were, and calling them Reds and communists and putting people onto blacklists so they couldn't work, largely in the entertainment industry. It ruined lives. Yeah, of course. And- we're seeing elements of this, as you um, mentioned, rising again in the current administration in America. And surely we should abhor any boycotts or threats due to someone holding a view. And Lawrence Fox has said um, this week that he can't sleep and he's received death threats in in the last week and that he's worried for his children. Naturally, I mean, I, I dislike death threats very much. Mm. I think that I think they have no 
place in 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 society no. at all. so in that sense i am i am sorry that that is yes happened. and it's a sort of rever- this this hounding of the fellow the denouncing as, as equity put it it's reverse mccarthyism and it's not justified because he has what some might describe as right or centre-right views, yes, and but just to some left-wing people, and I know it goes the other way around as well, but we're, this is the way we're looking at it this week. Some left-wing people think it's their way or no way, and that is it's prejudicial, damaging, and as I said, very worrying. But what is quite interesting and ironic, I, I don't agree with the treatment that Lawrence Fox has, has received, and I'm sorry, but I do find it quite... And I think this is often the case, particularly with with white men on on the right. They are very quick to denounce other people's experiences. So he is very quick to say, oh, Meghan Markle hasn't experienced racism. And yet now he is experiencing harassment. This is a terrible thing. And I'm not saying that that people have threatened to kill Meghan Markle, but I find it almost not entertaining. That's a wrong word. But there's something grimly kind of grimly entertaining about the fact that that you know people. There's an irony in there, isn't there? Yeah, that they're that they're but they're not not bullies. But sometimes in the case of bullies, for example, bullies are very keen. And I'm not saying that Lawrence Fox is a bully, but bullies or, or people that don't behave desirably are very quick to throw it around. Yet they're not so quick to receive it back and I, I i find it kind of grimly sort of apt in a way that that, that lawrence fox is you know sort of denouncing the the, the the unpleasant experiences of others and saying oh you know i'm the arbiter and I, she could she isn't experienced racism and is now saying well aren't i being treated terribly well yes you are but if you'd shown a little bit more either empathy or just self-awareness in in whether it's your place to judge whether people are being treated racistly or not Perhaps we might not be here. To round off uh, the Lawrence Fox topic, (laughs) it was was only last week uh, that we talked about not judging musicians and their songs in in relation to Elton, I think. Yes, absolutely. Now, some may not know that Lawrence Fox also declares himself as a musician. He does. He's he's put his records out. He was doing that full time, I think, for a couple of years. I just thought, Jules, it'd be interesting to hear a a sort of 30 second Hmm. clip of him appearing um, on the Jeremy Vine show on Channel 5. They have put something in the water They seek a cure for the conversation They stole a march on your indecision And the first of all was laughter Just to quell the unoffended They seek to murder your opinion now, the curious thing, Jules, as you mentioned, um, he hasn't te- been terribly successful, it no, seems. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, bless him. I mean, everyone should try what they want to try. Mm. One thing hilariously I would point out is that he talks about, you know, oh, I can't help being in this privileged position. Thing is, though, Lawrence, lots of people want to be singer-songwriters. And by lots, I mean potentially millions of people want to be singer-songwriters. They don't know many people necessarily because they're not in the acting world. And as you do, isn't it funny how you were the one that ended up on on prime time on Jeremy Vine on Channel 5 and other people didn't. Might that possibly have been as a result of your privilege? I don't know. I can only say this because if Lawrence Fox was called I don't know, John Brown, for example, um, he might not have got onto that show, I'm guessing. I, I can see what he's trying to do. It's slightly Leonard Cohen-esque, isn't it? It is, it? isn't it? Yes. Of, it's kind of... 
uh, sort of almost monk style chanting yes. there's not a lot of tune there is there really and it, it did sound parts of it i'm afraid to say and this is not to this poor old deceased leonard he wasn't like that but that sounded an awful lot like somebody talking in tune didn't it really it's yeah. like when people go go out on the uh, when older people go on strictly come dancing as the kind of the heritage person and there isn't so much a lot of dancing as there is sort of walking in time to music and then they they go off quite early on um i I found that to be very kind of a talking in time to music. And I'm afraid to say the first thing that came up in, in my mind when I heard that was Jonathan Ross laughing at the fact that his brother, Paul Ross, had been voted out of Celebrity Fame Academy for what he described as my brother's curiously atonal version of That's Life. And I felt not entirely dissimilar here. Um, the Lawrence Fox's curiously atonal version of whatever that was. But um, but I mean, obviously, you know, I, I feel bad judging other people's but I I do feel that he was in that position because of who he was rather than what he was, I must admit. I, there wasn't a lot in that that made me think, do you know what, even though he's an actor, this Laurent Fox is a, is a raw, undiscovered musical talent that really does deserve this platform. I would rather see the actress Maxine Peake singing with the Re- Tonic Research Council. Um, that is worth, uh, her stuff with them is worth checking out. This, not so much, I think. Coming up, has Ed Sheeran brought pop music back down to (laughs) earth? That's next, right after. Now, let's think. We could either have another three minutes of Lawrence Fox. I mean, that is is tempting, but... No, no, we're going to go for Robin Hitchcock. So you think you're in love?
I ever counted up which musician or musicians I've seen most in my life, it would be a tight call between The Clash and Robin Hitchcock when he was in a band called The Soft Boys. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. I forgot he was in The Soft Boys. Yes, saw them an awful lot, about three times a week, all through about 1980 and 81, because they were in London pubs on that circuit, almost continually for that period. Uh, This track was from a period when mainstream success seemed to beckon, but then spurned him. Um, From 1991 and the album Perspex Island, Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. And so you think you're in love? I enjoyed that. But then I like Robin Hitchcock a great deal. Played at the uh, cinema venue around the corner from my house fairly recently. A nice chat by all accounts. Mm. Now, it's only a view, but it is my view. And and um, you're going to have it, uh, damn uh, it. And like, much like Lawrence, like Lawrence. Fox, you're entitled to it. Just don't watch any videos on YouTube, please. No, no, I, I, I really agreed with you about that Jordan Peterson uh, aspect. But we're, we're moving on now. Um, yes, let's move on. Pop, pop music, I feel, is at its best mm. when there's a touch of rebellion, perhaps as part of a youth movement, or perhaps just an outstanding image or passion for presentation. We can think of the mods, psychedelia, punk, yes. David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust, the yes. Ramones. Well, there many in, different people, in fact, David Bowie was. He had indeed, lots of different thin white personas. Duke. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The Ramones in their leather, the Beatles mm-hmm. in their Sergeant Pepper outfits, Keith Flint in that abandoned tube tunnel. Yes, But for me, it feels like maybe those days of shock and awe when parents would look at boy George on the television and say, is that a boy or a girl? It feels like those days of eccentricity, you know, the sort of out there-ness, rebellion, they've gone. These days, the most successful mainstream musicians, they dress like they would when perhaps spending the day indoors painting the bathroom ceiling. Mm. Presentation seems too much of an effort um parents are now more likely to join their children at a gig than be terrified of kiss or johnny rotten or the beastie boys a generation ago jules must we accept that beige is the new psychedelia it's it's interesting like you say that 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 even though even though sort of perhaps parents would find pop stars you know terrifying like you say or be exasperated by the daft things they were wearing people like my dad find it even more offensive when they don't make any effort at all your internal sort of interior decorating point i remember reading a a disapproving review in the nme once of finley quay the singer's kind of comeback concert having been very successful in the late 90s a couple of years later he had a comeback had some fairly well publicized personal difficulties and then had this comeback and um and he um, and he uh, he arrived on stage as the disappointed enemy reviewer put it with all the returning stage presence of someone that has turned up to plaster your front room and there is there is an element of plaster about the modern pop star isn't there it's i was thinking about this i mean in a way it, it's i suppose it's held up as a sign of authenticity isn't it really you could argue this started with well you could compare blur and oasis in the 90s that the, they were both they both bands are often you know all male bands often dressed in jeans and whatnot and shirts but oasis always seemed to be dressed although they wore designer clobber and indeed liam gallagher does have his own kind of uh, clothing label now called pretty green both bands uh, uh, lent a little bit towards the kind of mod style of clothing but the interesting thing about oasis was they looked ordinary and blur because they weren't quite from that you know they weren't quite of that as ordinary as they would have wanted to make themselves out 
particularly in Damon Albarn's case, there was an element of, as Justin Fleishman once put it, putting on a mask and playing a part. And the sort of the Fred Perrys and the staged poachers at the dog track for, for part life, there was a little bit of costuming about that. So in a way, although they were kind of dressed, quote unquote, ordinarily, there was an element of kind of theatre about that, I think, and, and an element of dress up. I was very taken with uh, PJ Harvey's cat suit at the at the '95 Glastonbury, the infamous pink cat suit. Um, as someone said at the time, it was incredibly clever because most people would have expected PJ Harvey to come on in a t-shirt and jeans, which she had done the last time she played. Um, it's seen as a sign of authenticity, I think. That's what Oasis and Blur and Co were going for. They were saying, "Look at, um, look at, look at me! I'm so authentic. I care about my music more than I care about my clothes. I care about what I'm playing so much that, much like Albert Einstein, I've got the same thing in my wardrobe every day, so I don't have to expend any extra brain power, and I can concentrate my whole craft in the music, man. That's what that's what they're trying to say, I think. I was um, one of my most inspiring bands." As, as a teenager and someone in their early 20s as a younger person it's a band called Electrolane who I think we I've mentioned and played mm. records before you on the have, podcast yeah. four, four women of roughly my age I think probably a bit a bit older who uh, come from originally all came from the Brighton area they're now kind of scattered all around the world which is why they don't really play together anymore which is a shame but I remember seeing a photo shoot with them in Wire magazine once and there was a picture of them on the cover they were famous interestingly they would often do pictures where they all dressed up so they would do photographs where they were all in jumpsuits or they were all um, sort of in Wizard of Oz style glorious Technicolor makeup and and, and, and check shirts but I remember this picture being really interesting because it was the four of them on a beach and there was a whole photo shoot of that I suspect it was in Brighton on a beach and they all had jumpers on and they weren't particularly dressed you know like they were pop stars. I remember looking at them and thinking I found them so appealing in those photos because I remember showing it to a friend of mine and she said well you could be in that band you literally could you've got hair like them and you don't dress this similarly to that and I said that's what I love about it it's really aspirational to me because it looks it made being in an interesting arty band not really easy because I thought I could do this I I dressed a little bit like that I've got that great jump I could be in that band so I can see the appeals and curiosity perhaps a more specific appeal but there is sometimes it can be a bit of a draw to see someone that looks like you and think oh well maybe I could do that you know maybe maybe you don't have to have loads of elaborate costumes and a huge wardrobe and, and dry ice budget in order to be a pop star maybe it is possible just to make a career by putting on a grey jumper and some jeans and playing a synth I, f- I find that quite appealing but equally like you say there isn't there can be something very uninspiring about particularly if it's music that is and in the case of Ed Sheeran, I think I've said this on the podcast before, I just don't see what there is to it, really. I mean, I, 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 I don't begrudge him his success. And, you know, he seems he seems a genuine man. He's, he's obviously, you know, he's good at something. And, and I, I don't want to want to sort of quash the aspirations of people that work hard and get successful. It is a lottery in the music industry. I think we all know that. I think you could you could see 10 Ed Sheerans in the day they could all be as good as each other and maybe they you know you pick him because you remember his red hair I don't know there, there's just there's just like all things where you pick people like acting or whatever there's just a there's just a luck of the draw I remember Maxine Peake saying once it is just simply a case sometimes of whether or not your hair is right it's it's just a, it's just can be a really strange thing but I have never really seen or heard anything in Ed Sheeran's music that's made me think it's anything other than ordinary if his music was you know James Taylor-esque you know if we're talking that kind of troubadour if there was something about it that was really beautiful maybe Nick Drake style music then I could probably wear the fact that he 
is very ordinary and wears grey t-shirts and jeans and it's just him and the guitar and it's all very kind of pared down and simple if there was more to it than it just being very simple and i think that that might be the problem not so much the fact that it is people like him and lewis capaldi as well i think is not dissimilar mm-hmm. these kind of singers that are very ordinary they, they've been some sort of particularly the clothing aspect there was an attempt to in the fashion industry to, to um have something that they called norm core and they tried to call it norm core so if you wear sort of deliberately wear very ordinary clothes that is allegedly normcore i don't think that was just people at fashion magazines having a laugh to be honest but but maybe it's not just the fact that they that they look so boring it's the fact that there there doesn't seem to be very much exciting in their music either it just the whole thing seems to be a bit underwhelming you see this um i think um, you know you said uh, oh it's the music that matters that somebody said the thing is that, that, that's, that's not necessarily my view but i think that's, no, that's no. what they're trying to say yeah, isn't yeah. it look at me i like real music yeah the thing is i want to be entertained if i go to a, a gig i want to show i want an experience mm-hmm. when we go to a, a a concert a gig whatever you want to call it we take all of our senses with us we've got all you know we've got more than just ears if I just wanted it to be just the music, that's all that matters. I'm I may as well just um, go home. to the gig and just just close my eyes mm-hmm. and and you know not not to experience with any of my other senses, just open my ears and that's it. Or indeed, as you say, stay home and play a record. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. And I think with um, it, it's it's funny how um, we mention these rebels, but the, the, it strikes me that all rebels though do end up in the mainstream, but the Mm. mainstream accommodates their eccentricities because I'm thinking of a couple of examples, just as as you were talking there. I mean, 10 years, must be 10 years ago, Lady Gaga wore a dress made of raw meat to the MTV Awards. And then eight years later, she's nominated for an Oscar for her role in A Star Is Born. Mm. And um, the other person I was thinking of in this context is uh, much more more, uh, sort of current is sometimes I look at Stormzy in mm. his Union flag stab vest mm. and I can picture him in 10 years time duetting with Adele on some Anton Deck mm. kind of Christmas special yes so um, yes who knows maybe maybe he maybe will will end up there the, the point that you make about just to come back on you slightly mm. the point that you make about wanting to be entertained yes I do I, I can see that I really can see that and I think my dad feels similarly but I, I wonder if there is some element of taste to this as well, really, and some element of not good taste or bad taste, but just some element of what some people like and what some people don't. And maybe one man's meat is another one's poison. Maybe your kind of bells and whistles and kind of entertaining sort of all singing or dancing style shows. Maybe some people just prefer their things to be, I think of folk clubs, for example. Maybe some people just prefer their music to be a little bit more a little bit more calm maybe and a little bit more to, to, to the, maybe they really do want to focus on what is being played and sung rather than necessarily having a big show I don't know maybe mm. there is although maybe again maybe that is perfectly valid but it's just when people try to suggest that that because there is no bells and whistles that is automatically in a more authentic type of music i recoil from that i might have been that obnoxious when i was younger but i'm not now i I recoil from that and i go well it's not better it's just different it's just what you like 
Yes, I, I, I see that very much. Mm. So I say, I say, I say good luck to Ed Sheeran, Louis Capaldi, mm. and Jess Glynn. I wish them nothing but success. But I do miss young musicians who wear weird clothes and frighten parents. Yes, fair enough. I think we all do in a way. Um, thanks very much as ever for listening. It's good that yes, you're there. Twice. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for being there with us. We feel your presence. And thanks also to Rona and Hilly for their help this week. Yes, always. Um, to play us out, Jules, a song that I was convinced had a chorus that went, see you in Asda. But I understand that's not uh, not the official <laughs> lyrics. Honest, honestly, it, pop is getting more ordinary by the week, isn't it, really? Maybe that is what you're talking about when you say that pop is less aspirational than it once was. And, you know, Ed Sheeran genuinely looks like someone you would see it as, doesn't he? Yeah. So, so, yeah. No, it's uh, this is a lovely song. I, ha- I went to a lovely quiz uh, earlier on this week. It's the last Wednesday of every month. And if you are in the Greater Hastings area, I would recommend it. It's in a bar called 1200 Postcards, which is a newly opened micro pub. In a, in, in a former shop premises in Queen's Road in Hastings, and the reason it's called 1200 Postcards, is a person that used to be a sweet shop many years ago. My mum used to live on the road behind it when she was a child. I remembered going there when it was a sweet shop. And um, the person that ran it was arrested for selling illicit postcards oh and and hence why it is called 1200 postcards because that is what was found on the premises that the person oh fell foul of the law yes hastings is full of crazy stories like this but anyway we went to jamie's excellent quiz at, at, at the 1200 postcards and there was a round in which much like one of your rounds it was themed songs and we weren't told what the theme was and we had to do a, a, a we had to guess the artist in the song and they, we, we were told if we worked out the theme we'll probably help us and it became apparent that every song had star in the title and I heard this song again and I thought oh this is so nice it's been so long since I heard this I think it's a very given how bombastic the Stone Roses occasionally were and you know Ian Brown's kind of swaggering slightly intimidating stage presence this was one of his possibly his first comeback solo single I think this is very sweet I like how this is slightly reminiscent of Fireflies by Owl City for me this is quite just kind of slightly harmless dreamy pop and i really love this sort of music i think it's great i'll see you on my star is what i believe he oh. is and i'll see you in asda um which which would be i'll see you in my star i think I which is lovely i mean i do like <laughs> I think that's nice. see you in asda i think that's i, I prefer that version maybe we need to write that version but in the meantime possibly or not appearing in your local asda this is ian brown and my star Rocky 
Listening to a Parish Council production. 